Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Agreement. The nothing personal word of the day today is agreement. How great is that word for today? It's the agreement between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. No, it's not the collective bargaining agreement. I'm calling it the coronavirus agreement or the COVID-19 agreement or maybe the COVID-2020 agreement or the I can't believe we're not playing baseball and it's past opening day agreement. Or the, how amazing is it that the players and owners got together and solved some serious financial issues agreement? Or, oh, this could be the number one name for the agreement. It's the hold your nose, I can't believe I agreed to that agreement. And both sides are saying it. So let's break it down. NPDS. Word of the day. It's agreement. So let's start with, there was just a vote today by the owners. The way it works with any agreement between management and players is first the players vote on it, which they did. They approved the agreement. What name did we choose, Coca? I don't know. Let's see if he has any interest in choosing one of the names for our agreement. Their agreement. The agreement. The extra IR is really up to you. So the players voted today. The owners got together on a call and they voted and it was announced as all good announcements are that the vote was approved by all 30 clubs unanimously. So let me bring you inside an owner's meeting and a vote. And let me tell you a story about what happens when maybe a vote happens. That's not unanimous. Back in the early days of owners' meetings, my first several meetings, the Yankees were always a team under George Steinbrenner. He would be famous for abstaining. So the vote would be 29 to 0 with one abstention, and that would be the Yankees. Then there'd be times that Peter Angelos would abstain or vote no. There were times when we voted no to something, like the vote on contraction. When there was a vote to contract the Expos or to pursue contraction, guess what? We're a no. We don't want to be contracted. Instead, we'll sell the team to baseball and buy the Marlins. Now, that's a story that you've heard, but there's more details on that one. So the vote happens and it passes. You need 23 yeas for a vote to pass amongst the 30 owners. So what you do is you're in a room generally, but now with social distancing, this was done on the phone. There's a call in number. It starts with a roll call. The way roll call works, it doesn't start with the first team, which would be, what is it, the Atlanta Braves? I'd have to look back to the beer challenge game one and end with the Washington Nationals. It actually, every vote you take in baseball, you end up switching teams who start the vote. Now think about that. So instead of starting with Arizona every vote, you start with Arizona, then you move to Atlanta, then you move to whatever the third team is. 
fourth, et cetera. So eventually the number 28 team, let's say third, let's say the Nationals, the last team, they actually would have the first vote one day, one vote. You do that because you don't want to always have last look. It's like moving the button when you're playing poker. So first they do a roll call. The roll call starts with alphabetically always. So you announce your team, who you're with. It would always be Marlins. They'd call out and then Jeffrey would say, Loria Sampson, and then you move on. So Mets, Wilpon, Wilpon. So it would go on like that, each team. Yankees, Steinbrenner, Levine, Trost, like it would go on like that. So it's generally president, owner. Occasionally teams have extra. The Red Sox were always Henry, Werner, Lakino before he got fired. Then Henry, Werner, Kennedy. So it sort of goes like that. You can always tell the pecking order, and you can tell when owners are trying to switch the pecking order to make someone happy. So some teams would announce the themselves last the owner some teams would let the president do the announcement but the owner's name has to be first there's all sorts of crazy politics that go on into the order in which you give your name when you're doing roll call so the roll call happens today at noon then they go on and baseball presents the terms of the deal now of course it's already been leaked to the press so of course everybody knows the terms and of course the owners have gotten a memo in advance How do I know that? Because that's the memo that gets leaked to the press every single time. So you read the memo, get on the call, you do a vote of roll call. Then once it is explained by Rob and Dan Hallam, the head of labor, deputy commissioner, open the floor to a motion. They ask for a motion to approve the agreement between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association. An owner will raise his hand and the commissioner will say, Mr. Ricketts of the Cubs makes a motion. And then you have to get a second to a motion. Then there's a second. Mr. Lerner of the Nationals seconds the motion. Any discussion, never going to be discussion. Okay, we now vote. They're not going to do, for some less important votes, they'll do a voice vote. Everyone in favor. And you say, yay. Anyone opposed? Nay? Nay? Because you'd be very scared in the old days to oppose anything. So the nays would be like this. Nay. Nay. Like when we did the contraction vote, it was nay. Just very quick. Nay. Nay. Just like that. Nay. Like if you're really into it, you go nay. Right? So it depends. Today, the vote happens Not like that. Instead, you go team by team. Let's say they're starting in the middle with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They call out each team. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Yes. Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles. Yes. Milwaukee Brewers. Yes. So you go on and on through and you end up with the team that starts with K. Is there a team that starts with K? Or I? Or J? Kansas City would be the one, let's say. So Kansas City would get the 30th vote. And then the commissioner says the vote passes 23 to 7, 25 to 5, 28 to 0 with two abstentions, whatever it is. And that's the number that would then be announced to the press. Wait, no, it wouldn't. 
Let's go back to when Commissioner Rob Manford got elected commissioner. There is a full pot of stories about that and what went on in Baltimore that fateful day in August many years ago. But the one thing that struck me about that vote, and that happens often, there'll be a vote that passes, and then baseball will say, okay, we know that this is going to pass. We think it's right. There'll be a motion from one of the owners. We think it's right that we announce a united front to the players, that we announce that this was unanimous to the world. So I make a motion to re-vote. What happens is nine times out of 10, the nays turn into yays because they know they don't have enough to block. So the next vote would be 30 to zero. And then you get to announce that this vote passed unanimously. The moral to my voting story is we don't know whether or not this passed unanimously. We just know it passed. Why would I think it would not pass unanimously? Wait to see. It's coming in just a few minutes here on Nothing Personal. And it starts with L.A. and it ends with Verdugo. So one of the big issues that happens in this agreement and one of the biggest issues, period, during coronavirus on the business side is as it relates to service time. What exactly should we do with service time? And we've touched on it on the show. You know very well that service time is gold. It's the blood that's flowing through players. It's the anger that courses through the veins of every team president and owner. It is the fight about when a player should be sent down or not. It was the subject of the Chris Bryant grievance, for crying out loud. It was all about service time. Vladimir Guerrero, Miguel Cabrera, yada, yada, yada. Well, the agreement is fascinating in this regard. So stay with me. Let's get technical for about 60 seconds. If there is no season played in 2020, every player will get the identical service time for the 2020 season that they got in the 2019 season. If there is no games played, if there are no games played, I'm sorry, Horace Mann. So what does that mean? That means if you were a player on your team from day one to day end, and you got a full year of service last year in 2019, if there are no games in 2020, you get another full year of service. Why does this matter? Because that means it is now confirmed that Mookie Betts, could become a free agent without playing one game for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, granted, if there is no season, then Mookie Betts will not get his $27 million. But the Dodgers will have lost Alex Verdugo, and they will have gotten zero out of Mookie Betts, and he now is a free agent. So if the Dodgers want him, they have to give him a free agent deal. Trevor Bauer was traded to the Cincinnati Reds for the sole purpose of having him for the 2020 season prior to him becoming a free agent. If there is no season, guess what? Trevor Bauer's a free agent. Ah, you're paying attention. I hope you're paying attention because Trevor Bauer has said, I'm only signing one-year deals. I'm never signing a long-term deal. And I said, really, Trevor? If someone offers you five years, $100 million, you're going to say, no, I'm going to take one year at 20. I'll believe that when I see it. There's as good a chance as the sun rising in the West as Trevor Bauer turning down a five-year, 110 to $130 million deal. Give me a small break.
Wait a minute. Does the sun rise in the West in Australia, Coca? I know the toilet flushes the other way. And I know that the seasons are different. I wonder if the sun actually rises in the West in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm not Googling it because I don't want to mess up the server with everyone learning online right now by Googling the ridiculous things that I would normally Google. So I actually don't have an answer. Coca is whispering to me, talk about value added. Thank you, Matthew. He is whispering that West is still West in Australia. That is about as helpful as a Band-Aid when you are leaking blood out of your eyeball. It's not helpful. Does the sun rise in the East in Australia? He's claiming it does. All the people in Melbourne who love nothing personal and I get to hear from you, could you just please get back to me confirming the sun rises in the East? So in any case, Trevor Bauer would be gone from the Reds in 2021. He'd be a free agent if he weren't re-signed. This service time issue is major. It is a major get for the players in terms of a canceled season. But then let's go a little deeper. What if they only play 81 games? Does that mean that everybody only gets half a year of service? No. The agreement states that no matter how many games are in, quote, the championship season, which is the definition used in the collective bargaining agreement of a full year of service, is 180, 172 days of the championship season on an active roster or injured list gives you a year of full service. Now, if there's only 81 days, but you're on the active roster or injured list for 81 days, you get a full year of service, which means that if the Dodgers only play half a season, and even with expanded playoffs, which we'll discuss, the Dodgers' likelihood of winning the World Series is diminished, as we talked about. They are not getting the bang for their buck, which is a way of saying to you today, if I were the Dodgers, I am not sure that I am voting yes on this deal because service time is a much bigger deal to the Dodgers than it is to the Marlins. Now, what about money, actual cash money? So the way it's working with cash money is that baseball is giving $170 million to the players to split amongst themselves. And the way they're splitting it is that each player will get 150 grand who is on a major league roster goes down from there for players with split contracts on the 40-man roster, which is another way of saying players who get paid one amount if they're on the big league team, but if they're optioned to the minor league team, they get a much smaller amount. There's an agreement as to what those players will make. It'll add up to $170 million. And that's all they're going to get if the season's canceled. And they've agreed not to sue baseball because a union can sue management. They've agreed not to sue to get their full salaries. That is a big win for baseball and the owners. They have capped their downside risk in the case of no season. And they've got credit, which we're going to talk about later in the show as well. They've got credit to come up with the money to pay the players this $170 million. Why would players agree to take that amount of money? The answer is because at the end of the day, they got service time and then they got another little nugget. Salary arbitration. 
Salary arbitration is something, again, that we discuss all the time because it's something I did for 18 years. The way salary arbitration works is players who have been in the league three years, between three and six years, go to a group of three men who decide what you're going to get paid, either the number the club submits or the number the player submits. The way you can decide, the way arbitrators decide what they're going to pay the player is they look at statistics. What are the player's statistics? It's called bulk in the industry. How much bulk does the player have? How many home runs? How many RBI? What was the war? What was the ERA? How many innings pitched? How many strikeouts? How many walks? How many earned runs? Interestingly enough, in arbitration, if you miss half a season and only have 81 games worth of stats, your bulk number is lower and that hurts you in arbitration. What MLB agreed to do with the players is that any statistics from this year will not count negatively in arbitration. What that means is the arbitrators going forward will not be able to use as a way to judge what the salary of a player will be. They will not be able to judge the diminished statistics that will be had if a guy has 15 home runs when he could have had 50. That is a huge win for the players. So we have service time. We know exactly what's going on with salary arbitration. When exactly is this starting? Luckily, baseball got smart. There is zero talk of when spring training will start. There is zero talk of when the season will start. Zero talk of how many games will be in the season. The only thing in the agreement is that the players and the owners will work together, will work together to play as many games as possible in whatever amount of days they have, and they will not cut spring training short because they do not want any players to get hurt, which is in the best interest of owners and of players. But they simply don't know. They've canceled the London series between the Cubs and Cardinals in June and said they'll play that series in St. Louis if it's played at all. They already canceled Puerto Rico, Mexico City. The Field of Dreams game in August in Iowa, I hope will go on. Because once that's canceled, that means that truly baseball is in trouble. And we don't know when they'll start. What they agreed to is that they will play regular season games through October, and they're willing to play regular season and postseason in November, through November. Guess what, Mr. Boris? There's no Christmas Day baseball games, but there could be late November games, and there could be weather issues, so they're going to discuss the possibility of neutral site for some games. They just won't know that until they know which teams are in the playoffs. What's also going to be discussed is the possibility of expanded playoffs. I love the fact that they're thinking about this. I worked on this for years in baseball. Right now, there's only five teams per league. They could extend it up to seven teams per league. That means extra wild card teams, which means extra elimination games, which means extra money for everybody, extra excitement for fans, extra money from the broadcasters, if they're not already having to give money back to the broadcasters for make goods for all games missed. 
but it's an exciting possibility to have an expanded playoffs. But way too early to make any decisions on that because we just don't know. The way expanded playoffs will happen is the shorter the season, the more likely it is to have expanded playoffs. That's something we always talked about inside the commissioner's office. If we went down to 154 games permanently, that would be the onus in order to have expanded playoffs because you want to make sure you're not playing into November in a regular season. But this year, all bets are off. Anything could possibly happen. The other thing that happened, the draft completely changed. They're delaying the amateur draft from June to July, and they're taking it from 40 rounds to as low as five rounds. Now, why is that interesting to me that the draft could be reduced? Because it's a dream come true. Because the amateur draft is an absolute lottery. There's no other way to say it. Only 50% of first round picks become meaningful major leaguers. And that percentage goes down and down. You're paying millions of dollars to high school kids when you don't know what they're going to be. And once in a while, you get a brilliant pick in the later rounds, like a Mike Piazza or an Albert Pujols. Even Giancarlo Stanton wasn't drafted in the first round. Christian Yelich was. Jose Fernandez was. We had some very good first-round picks, and boy, did we have some busts. There was a year when we had like five picks in the first round plus the compensation round, which is happens after the first 30 picks. And we had Chris Volstad that round. Sean West, who I mentioned, I think was in that draft. We just did not... A guy named Jacob Marceau, as I recall. I don't even think he had a cup of coffee. God, that could have gone better. But in any case, the way the draft is going to work is that you have to draft a player, but now it's slotted. And what is fascinating about the slotting system and what upsets Scott Boris so much is guess what? The slots are staying flat. No 3.5% increase at all. This year, or next year. Scott Boris called it unconscionable. You know what that means? It's perfect. That means it is perfect. Molto bene. It's a perfecto. The slots should be flattened. Now, does it mean that more high school players will not get drafted because the draft is only five rounds instead of 40? Yeah, but they can sign for 20 grand. The limit used to be 125 grand. Now it's 20 grand as part of this new agreement. And it all makes sense to me. Now, what else is part of this agreement? Guess what? No more trading draft picks or international slots. You can pay your bonuses over a period of years when it used to be only over a period of a year. And that is for cash flow. Remember, the players who vote on this agreement are part of a union. Amateur players and minor league players are not part of the union. You can bet that when MLB agreed to a full year of service time in case of cancellation or a full year of of service time, even if the season's only 81 games, MLB got whatever it wanted after that. You think the Major League Baseball Players Association gives one crap about when minor league players get paid? They pretend they do during a normal agreement, but when it comes right down to it, nope. You think they care that there's only five rounds? Nope. Even the players drafted in the 20th round don't care because they'll still get to sign. And by the way, when you're drafted in the 20th round and below, you're only making 20 grand. The last 10 picks, you make a grand, sometimes not even a bonus. So that's another part of it. Next. Drugs. You got to talk drugs. The players want to know. 
what happens to all drugs? Can you take them? What happens if you're currently on a drug suspension? So here it is. Drug suspensions will be served in 2020. But if there is no season in 21, in 20, I mean, then you're off the hook and you're back. So let's look about Alex Cora. He was suspended for a year. A.J. Hinch, a year. Jeff Lunau, the GM of the Astros, a year. They have to sit out this year only. They are eligible for reinstatement, and their suspensions are over in 2021. The other point, Garrett Cole was going to be a Yankee for nine years. Now he'll be a Yankee for either eight or eight and a half or eight and three quarters. There is no extension to the guaranteed contracts. So Miguel Cabrera, this is, so let me just give you an idea of two different sides. The Detroit Tigers are fine with canceling the season. They don't have to pay Miguel Cabrera. Now don't call me Chris Illich. Of course you want to play, I get it. But you know very well that deep down in a place that you're not willing to admit, you will look right at me in the mirror and you'll say, if I can get a year of not having to pay Miguel $30 million, and I don't have to extend his contract by another year, I'm taking that deal. But if I'm the Yankees and I signed a nine-year deal with Garrett Cole and the first four were going to be the best, but he's getting older, the players are getting older, I'm losing one of his best years. If I'm the Cincinnati Reds and I signed Mike Moustakas or Nick Castellanos to a four-year deal, I'm only getting three, but I'm missing what could have been the most productive year. It is a big deal if a year gets canceled because players get a year older. So when, the first question I'm getting on Twitter at David P. Sampson, and by the way, I always appreciate that you're listening. I really do. If you're liking nothing personal, if you like the blazer and the coat, the background, the glove chair, and it's interesting to you, in addition to rating and reviewing and all the things you've always done, would you tell a friend to listen I'd like to get the word out about nothing personal to as many people as possible because I want to give them 45 minutes of either something to entertain them, something they can be angry about, something they can critique, or something that interests them, or something just to pass the time for 45 minutes every day. I want to do my part to help in the stay-at-home situation. So tell a friend, was that self-serving? You're damn right it was. Of course, I have an ego and I want as many people to listen as possible. But on the other hand, it's not like I have a contract where the more people who listen, the more I get paid. So it's not self-serving in that way. I get paid the same if one person listens or if a million people listen. Although I'd argue if one person were listening, I'd be in danger of not getting paid anything. Anyway, tell a friend. So Coca really wants me to get into another subject, and I'm going to touch on it. The players and the league have agreed. This is part of the agreement, and I like it, but this is obvious. That the 2020 MLB season cannot begin until one. There are no bans on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans. Two, there are no travel restrictions. Three, medical experts, not presidents, not congressmen not senators, not people in the media, not owners, medical experts determine that games will not pose a risk to the health of teams and fans. Now, as per Jeff Passan, who it pains me to quote, the caveat, why does it pain me? Do you know what it is with Jeff Passan? One time I'd like to meet him. 
he has written such negative stuff about me. I mean, he has crushed me over the years. He's never met me. I've literally never met the guy. He's never had a chance to communicate with me or ask me my view of a story or to give my side when I was running the Marlins or the Expos. He just crushes me. I have no ill will. It's his job. It's fine. But to have to quote him is crushing. But I do believe he somehow has someone inside the ownership group of some team who feeds him everything because he often hears about it before I do, which is annoying. And that's back when I was president of the team. The caveat agreed to by the players in league is that they will consider playing games at neutral sites instead of home ballparks and will consider the feasibility of playing in empty stadiums and just how proper a solution it may be for both sides and the fans. Let me translate what that means. They're agreeing that they want to play in front of fans. However, if it means that they can play in front of no fans and the owners are willing to agree to that and still pay them their full salaries, the players will agree to play in front of fans because at the end of the day, those games will still be broadcast. But we can't even think about broadcasting games at all until there is the stay at home and the quarantines end because until you can have mass gatherings, two teams with camera crews, you are over the limit. And it doesn't matter whether you're in Iowa or in New York, you're over the limit. So that's the agreement that took place between MLB and MLBPA. It's an interesting agreement, but it's only the first step. There's still a collective bargain agreement to negotiate after next season, and there is still the schedule to figure out for this season. So you want to talk to Samson. Yeah, thank you, at David P. Samson. Thank you very much for following. By the way, you're telling a friend to download and subscribe, nothing personal. Might as well tell him to follow. No, ego-related, not self-serving, not financial-related at all. Unless I become an influencer. Like if I get to 2 million and then I can say that I went to get P.F. Chang's and they'll give me free P.F. Chang's for a year, then I'll tell you how self-serving it is. But what I promise, if I ever get to the point where I'm getting free stuff, I guarantee you, and you can book this, Coca, I guarantee you 50% of the free stuff will go to Coca and the other people with whom I work at CBS Sports HQ, and the other 50% of the free stuff will go to communities and to people who have needs for food or clothes if I'm getting clothes or shoes. I will donate all of it. So it's really more ego, I would say, than self-serving or financial. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. 
Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. In any case, so you want to talk to Samson. Someone sent a message on my DM, and it was about Mickey Arison, who is the owner of the Miami Heat, but he's also the family and the biggest shareholder of Carnival Cruise Lines. Yes, Carnival, I've been on many Carnival Cruise Lines. It's a place where you can party your socks off. It's a place where you can go to destinations that you may not have a chance to go to. It is, it's, a, it's a fun vacation. Wait a minute, that may be their entire slogan. The fun cruise, that may be someone different. I think it could be Carnival. I think Carnival, Coke, is Carnival Cruise Lines the fun vacation or was it ever the fun line, the fun cruise, the fun something? I think it was. In any case, someone said, Mickey Arison is a billionaire. Carnival has billions of dollars in revenue. Why can't he bail out his whole company by himself? What a great question. Well, the stimulus package that is supposed to be voted on by the House as soon as possible that passed the Senate, the $2 trillion economic stimulus package, we don't know when it's going to get out of the House. We don't know logistically what it means. We don't know when families are going to get a $1,200 check or how they'll get it or how long they'll have to wait. We don't know how small businesses will get their loans. We don't have any answers. We've got a lot of gas baggery. We've got a lot of updates from politicians about the fighting. But... What did come out is cruise ships and cruise companies will not be part of the bailout. Why? Because in order to be a beneficiary of the bailout that's being currently contemplated, you have to have your principal place of business as the United States. Little known fact there, Normie. That's a George Went reference. That's a Cheers reference in case I have to explain to either Coco or any of his friends. It's a little known fact. It's actually not George Went. It's Cliff Clavin who played the mailman who played, I can't remember his name in Cheers. I can't believe it. Cliff Clavin instead of Norm. He played Cliff Clavin. John Ratzenberger is his real name. It's a little known fact there, Normie, that cruise ships, actually, the companies are registered offshore. Panama, Liberia, islands, anywhere. And half their employees, many of their employees are actually not from the U.S., So the cruise ships companies are not involved in the bailout. But the question you asked, specific, why wouldn't Mickey Arison bail out his whole company? Rich people don't get rich by doing things that are guaranteed to make them poor. That's a general statement. Rich people get richer because they've got the liquidity and the cash to borrow money and then to use that money to properly invest in an idea they have or a company they're already running where they know they will get a phenomenal rate of return on that money. So what the cruise ships and other companies really need, what the cruise companies really need, it's not that they need a billion dollars in order to pocket it or for Mickey Arison to sign, you know, Anthony Davis in the off season. They need the money in order to maintain operations. But when there are no operations... Then they need the money in order to be used as collateral so they can borrow money from banks in order to fund their operations. So a bailout for cruise companies and many of these companies comes in the form of governmental guarantees to banks that if you loan money to this company, if they go bankrupt and can't pay you back, the government will pay you back. And the banks say, that's my greatest creditor. 
The government says they're going to pay me. I'm 100% in. So therefore, what Carnival has wanted was a really a promise from the government to cover any loans that they cannot repay so they can then get those loans from the bank. They may or may not get it, but the reality is that Mickey Arison personally, what he does for fun is he actually supports the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat lose money every single year. Carnival is a huge sponsor of the Miami Heat. That's like taking from your left pocket, putting it into your right pocket. Now, he's got shareholders he has to answer to. So if the shareholders believe that it doesn't make sense to sponsor the Miami Heat anymore because that's a drain on cash, then guess what? They will not be sponsoring the Miami Heat anymore. So he will have to use more of his personal money to pay for the losses of the Heat. And the Heat are going to continue to lose money, period, because especially with the season being suspended and maybe even finished. From a Carnival standpoint, he's got to make sure that he can buttress Carnival, but he does it in a responsible way. And by being responsible, it sometimes and will mean docking the ships the way he's done for 30 days or 60 days or even 90 days. And the losses are going to be in the billions. So to do that, you will cut your operational expenses. It's the same that all of you would do if you were running a company that you were putting your money into. You want to pay your workers for as long as possible. Vinny Viola, the owner of the Florida Panthers down here, has promised to pay his employees, all 230 of them, for the entire coronavirus stoppage of play. Now, when he says 230, those are not the hourly workers. Those are his full-time workers. And that is very generous of him. But that doesn't mean what will happen the year after or the year after, because while Vinny Viola is worth several billion dollars, it doesn't mean that he can keep holding on to something or holding on to people or programs that simply don't fit anymore. So I am not in favor of asking or criticizing Mickey Arison to bail out Carnival because that is not going to happen because it shouldn't happen. He has a responsibility to keep Carnival afloat. <laughs> I can't believe it. I just used to keep Carnival afloat. That is one of the great intended puns of all time, because you're going to say that was an unintended pun, but it was totally intended. He is responsible to keep Carnival afloat because that will keep people in business going forward. So you want to talk to Samson. There will be bailouts. They are important. They are necessary and they will trickle down to everybody. But don't Go to sleep on the impact that this stoppage will have, that the cruise line recovery, however many years it takes, the impact that will have on the heat, that's real. Okay, I did it yesterday. I did it, period, end of story, I did it. I watched all seven episodes of Tiger King, every single one of them. Here's my review. Tiger King, it's an absolute cluster of insanity with characters that you can't make up that if I didn't know better were the fiction, fictional musings of some of the best writers in Hollywood. Instead, they are actual people who own tigers and lions and bears, oh my, alligators. They blow up buildings. They set fires. They plan to murder people. They have cults. They've got weird uniforms. They've got no teeth. They've got meth usage. 
They've got hit men who stop on the way to do a hit in order to go to strip clubs and do cocaine. They've got Florida everywhere. Everywhere there is Florida. Why Billy Corbin? Because Florida. It is amazing. Can, I just, I'm going to do one spoiler, and it's going to be quick. One little one. The spoiler is you can cut open a snake and put cocaine in it and then deliver the snake to someone. They open it up and they get their cocaine. What kind of sick bastard would open a snake and shove cocaine in it? Do we have to bleep over bastard? I don't think we do. Tiger King is the number one trending show on Netflix. It is critical that you watch it. Now, get in the convo. Okay, it's time for Remember That One Time. You're looking for a game to watch. I just saw a bit of it last night. I want to tell you a story about the Remember One Time. Remember that one time when the Arizona Diamondbacks actually won a World Series? They beat the Yankees in Game 7 in 2001 after 9-11 when everybody wanted New York to win because it would have felt good like when the Red Sox won after the Boston Marathon bombing. A little-known story of that is the way they won that game is Luis Gonzalez had a base hit over a drawn-in infield. Two things. One, Joe Torre, the manager of the Yankees, has told me directly, and I'm not saying anything secret. I don't think so, Joe. And if I am, I'm sorry. Um, I'm saying it. Joe regrets to this day as one of his biggest regrets in managing bringing the infield in. Because Mariano Rivera was his closer, and there was a broken bat, what we used to call duck fart in baseball. We really did as a GM and as a president. That's, it's when a ball just drops in past the infield before the outfield can run in and get it. When you bring your infield in, you are making it so a broken bat squibber off a cut fastball from Mariano Rivera could drop in, and it's over. You've lost the World Series. The person who hit it was Luis Gonzalez. Luis Gonzalez, he is, played for the Marlins. We signed him. Really good guy. He's with the Diamondbacks now. He told me when he was with us that the minute they brought the infield in, he knew they had won the World Series. That's how good a hitter he was. He knew how to adjust his grip on the bat, how to adjust his swing to hit a cutter in a way that, what did he get, lucky? No. Was it a guarantee he was going to get a hit? No, obviously. But the confidence he had with the move that Joe Torre made, the Diamondbacks are world champions to this day. What a rotation. Randy Johnson, by the way, pitched in that game seven after starting game six. They had Kurt Schilling. What a team. They beat the Yankees, who at that time were going for four in a row. So remember that one time? I do. Well, if you can see up close, the lighting's not great, but it's MLB Beard Challenge Day 12. Here we are, Day 12. Yesterday was Day 11. We didn't get to it. It was opening day. But the MLB Beard Challenge is that Coke and I have agreed not to shave until the regular season of baseball starts. And I've agreed as on behalf of nothing personal. I don't know how to say that. Is it I? It's me, but it is nothing personal. It's the show we work on because Coke and I agreed to this together that we are giving $1,000 a day to each of the 30 MLB teams for the first 30 days. And we started this 12 days ago when quarantine started, or it should have started. 
And we're going to go 100 days. But the first 30 are to baseball teams, 1,000 each. And the last 70 go to local charities, foundations here in Florida. Please, if you want to help out, give money to a foundation of your team. Go to your favorite team's website. Give anything you can to the foundation of your team. They will get the money into the proper hands. For the Kansas City Royals, as an example, they have, I wrote it down because I want to get it right. They have Royals Charities, which they just created. Sorry, here I go. This is not edited. This is real. They've always had Royals Charities. What they've done is they created the Royals Respond Fund, and that will support those impacted by COVID-19. And they are focused on food, getting food to people. So if you're a fan of the Kansas City Royals, they're my team getting $1,000 from yesterday. That money is going to go right into the Royals Respond Fund. If you like the Royals, give anything you can to this Royals Respond Fund. The team for today is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. What an offseason they had. What a nightmare. They didn't get pitching. They got Anthony Rendon. They gave him a huge long-term deal. They may lose a full season or any sort of advantage. They lose a year of Mike Trout in his prime. Overall, it is a nightmare for the Los Angeles Angels. So from where I sit, the Los Angeles Angels are absolutely despondent. Not as bad as the Dodgers, but they're in a position right now where it's not as though that they had a pitcher who was going to recover right now like the Mets with Syndergaard where having this year off of no games or having a season that's much smaller, not having to pay Syndergaard his full salary, that's an advantage. There's no advantage to not paying Mike Trout his salary because he's worth every penny that he's making and more. The Milwaukee Brewers are despondent. We'll get to them soon that they would lose a year of Yelich at a much smaller amount. He starts getting paid more in a few years. But for the Angels of Anaheim, having Rendon, Trout, Pujols. Albert Pujols is still getting paid of the deal that we offered, and the Angels totally overpaid. He's through 2022. He is the law of diminishing returns by far. But they now have a year where he's done. They don't have to pay him. So are the Angels mixed? We have Trout. We have Pujols. What do we do? If I'm the owner of the Angels, Artie Moreno, I'm letting the chips fall where they may. I don't want to pay Albert. I desperately want to pay Mike Trout. I want to see what's going to happen. But all of the owners got together, every single one of them. All the players got together. Even with coronavirus going on, you know very well what they did. They looked each other through Zoom and they said, hey, for every single one of us, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.